Hey everybody, welcome back to another show. Me and Jason Samkowiak sat down last night and went over all kinds of gear that he uses for deer hunting. Jason um, is very knowledgeable about different types of gear. He's very particular and he's a really good person to sit down and go through a his pack and just pick his brain about why he uses what he does and kind of the different options hunters have when it comes to all things that could possibly go in your pack. So you guys that are uh, that like tinkering with gear, you're really going to like this episode. Thanks, Jason, for hopping on here. Go over to Jason's uh, YouTube channel, Traditional Bow Hunter and Wilderness Podcast. Um, give him a subscribe. He also has a new channel called Samco Workshop. You guys will probably enjoy that one as well. Those are both linked in the description below. Jason has a whole bunch of stuff going on. He has some whitetail classes that you can sign up for. He also has a Patreon that is really growing. So. Um, go over there, check all that stuff out. Before we get into the episode, I have to thank a couple of my sponsors. The first one being Osseo Gear. Osseo Gear is a great option for whitetail hunters. They developed a premium line of bow hunting gear that will rival any other clothing on the market in quality. Plus, get a lifetime warranty, which is awesome, um, from anything you buy at Osseo. They have a super unique camo pattern uh, and great technology in their garments to keep you comfortable in the stand. Visit ASIOgear.com and get you some premium hunting clothing. Also got to thank Exodus. Exodus doesn't have any ad reads at the moment. Just go over uh, to their YouTube channel, Exodus Outdoor Gear, and check out all the stuff they have on there. That channel has got some crazy growth this year. Um, they also have a whole bunch of awesome podcasts on their platform. Um, they have Land Podcast, Deer Group Podcast. They got... Um, their, their trail cam radio, all good stuff, all kinds of good information on those platforms. So go over to Exodus stuff and, and give them guys a subscribe and check them out. Hunting Beast Gear. Season's coming soon. Get your pre-orders in for the Beast Stand. Um, you really can't beat a Beast Stand, Beast Sticks. I think it's one of the best systems on the market for mobile hunters. Go check them out at huntingbeastgear.com. And finally... Got to thank Stealth Outdoors, Uncle Lou over there, makers of Stealth Strips and all kinds of other good products. Um, Got to thank Uncle Lou over at Stealth Outdoors. If you haven't gotten your Stealth Strips yet, get them ordered to get that gear all prepped for season. It's right around the corner. Visit StealthOutdoors.com to get you some Stealth Strips. All of my partners are linked in the description below. Let's get into the episode. Hey everybody! Welcome to the show. We got a. Uh, oh, this is your second time on now, right, Jason? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Jason Samkowiak is on. He uh, Dan is not going to get on. Everybody's always wanting us to talk about gear and like go through all of our gear and stuff, and that is not up Dan's alley. Dan doesn't like doing that kind of stuff. And uh, Jason is my like go-to guy for for gear. Like for years, you've been you have been Jason. Uh, your channel is like a wealth of knowledge when it comes to camping gear and hunting gear and just random, any outdoorsman would, would enjoy your channel that needs some information about gear. So, um, thanks for hopping on. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. How's the, uh, how's the South treating you this summer? It's hot. <laughs> it's definitely hot. Not gonna lie. It, it's if I did define it, I would say it's hot. Um, but it, it's a lot of fun. I love it down here. It's a whole new world. Everything you've hunted in the Midwest and in the north and all that stuff, none of it applies down here. It's it's everything is so different 
and you can't uh, cyber scout anything. You got to sort yeah. it out there. You got, uh, you know, slews and everything to cut you off and briar patches. And it, it's a whole different ballgame down here. It really is. And it, I love learning it. It's just amazing. Yeah. I know when I went pig hunting in Florida this year and there was a, one area I was hunting where there was a slew or whatever you want to call it that ran through the middle of a swamp. And you could almost be in range of some hogs and wouldn't be able to get to them. Like it's just a, it's just kind of a mess in there in some areas. I've had um, it happen many times where literally, um, you know, you're, they're right there. They're like 12 yards away from me, but I cannot shoot them. Cause if I shoot them, I can't get over there, you know, because yeah. of water and things like that kind of stuff. And, and it's pretty different here. Cause a lot of these sloughs, especially this time of year, there's gators all over them. I oh, mean, really? they're everywhere in them. Yeah. I mean, you can walk through the woods and actually see gators walking right through the woods with you. Um, so it's, it's a little different ball game. Yeah. Um, and I don't mind the sleuths that are only, you know, five, 10 yards wide, but when they start getting 20, 25 yards wide and they start getting over your head, I, I don't want to be in those. <laughs> yeah. Especially. Yeah. I, I, uh, almost stepped on a snake or, a um, a copperhead when I was down there that made mm -hmm. me a little, little uneasy. Yeah. Um, I walked around on, on, uh, eggshells for a little bit there after that happened <laughs> yeah uh, they don't the snakes don't bother you if you don't step on them it's all yeah. so many wives tales and stuff about cotton mouths chasing you and all this kind of stuff or that the rattlesnakes will you know they're gonna fly out of a you know cave at mock speed and come attack you and you know, none of that stuff is true really the only rule is don't step on them if you do not physically step on them you can step right next to them they won't bother you they're, they yeah. want nothing to do with you but if you step on them then then they, it's a defensive strike kind of thing but that's what I've seen. I mean, I've stepped next to so many, not even realizing it, and they don't even know it. You know, I've had timber rattlers come right up between my legs, you know, and um, sneak right through. It's like, oh, and you look down, and you're like, oh, oh, wow, you know, but they want nothing to do with you as long as you don't step on them. Yep. Up north, outdoors, said, he said, I'll tell Jason, like I told Chosen One, whoever that is, he may have Georgia on his mind, but his heart's still in Michigan. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely miss hunting in Michigan sometimes. It's, uh, um, you know, bow hunting up in Michigan is tremendous. Bow hunting down in Georgia on public land especially is not that popular. I mean, it's a yeah. lot quieter down here. Matter of fact, one I was just reading the stats for the Georgia WMAs during bow harvests. Yeah. One of the WMAs down here, the only person that killed deer on that WMA was Robert Carter, and he killed three there. Oh, really? Yeah, he's the only one that killed a deer with, during bow season on that one. So it's it's a different kind of ball game down here versus Michigan where there's everybody bow hunts. You know, it's yeah. a whole different world. Yeah. Yeah, I hate to say this too loud, but, like, that's a little bit how Indiana is compared to, like, your Wisconsin or Michigan. Uh, Tim Hinky, who people know from the hunting mm -hmm. beast, um, he's planning on coming down here and hunting by me this year. And uh, I never look at the stats for Indiana. I just – I don't know. I just never really mattered to me too much, but me and him got to looking at him one night and he was looking at like uh, the County Dan is in, in, in Wisconsin on public land with a bow last year. They, there was like 300 and some deer killed or something like that. 400 some deer killed in that on public land in, in that uh, County. And then down, down here, it was like 32 Deer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in, this, yeah. in this county i love indiana indiana is amazing now, i've never been down where you are um but i've been up in the northern parts yeah. just across the michigan border i mm -hmm. love it there yeah i mean it's yeah. such a great state yeah vastly different north mm -hmm. to south too i mean down here you're, you're getting into some um pretty hilly stuff and up there it's fairly flat 
Um, yeah, it was reservoir country that I was in there. So it was flood zones and things like that. Yeah, but, yeah. Not a swamp, yeah. but uh, but yeah, the I, hills are awesome. I grew up in northern Indiana for most of my like teen years, and I lived right between the Salamone Reservoir and Miss Cinnamon Reservoir, mm-hmm. and then uh, got or um, uh, there was one in Huntington County too. I can't remember the name of it now, but I was pretty fortunate. There's not a, like a ton of public land up there, but there's a a, de- a little bit. Um, yeah, you just don't, you just don't have the Hoosier National like you de- do down down here. Um, anyway, want to, want to get into some, some gear talk, Jason, I, I told Jason just to get his, his pack and let's go through it. And, uh, I mean, I, you used to do, I don't know if you still do on your channel, Jason, but like every year you would do like a, uh, what I'm using this year type of thing. Yeah. Pack dump kind of thing. Yeah. And I, I was always like, I always looked forward to those because you seem like you, you're really on top of, um, uh, you're, you're a very simplistic person, but very thorough with what you carry yeah. with you. And I always appreciated that. And like, just you're, you're, you're good at finding quality stuff at a decent price. Um, and that, that's, I mean, I got, a, I get a lot of the stuff I carry on the woods is, uh, from Jason. Um, anyway, the, and, and before we get started, Jason's, I know Stampede just talked about Jason's YouTube channel. It's in the link below. You also have a new channel called Samco Workshop. That's down there as well. Thank um, you. That's a that's more of like your um, home homeowners and home home improvement tips and kind of things like that, right? Camp, maybe some camping stuff or yeah. Look, how, it's how would you describe everything? It? Yeah, I used to there. We used because when I started doing a traditional morning uh, in wilderness podcast YouTube channel, I did I do I still do two videos a week, but I made it where one was always hunting related, one was whatever I wanted mixed bag, yeah. whether it was a truck review or how to build a ladder rack or something. Um, and while what I've done now is I made that Samco workshop channel and I put everything on there from random home, like you said, homeowner tool reviews, a ton of car truck reviews, uh, four wheel drive stuff, things like that all go on. Every all my miscellaneous stuff goes on that channel, so yeah. now my hunting one is dedicated 100% to hunting two videos a week yeah there you go mm-hmm. um and that in your your samco workshop one's starting to take off a little bit too so it is it's only 10 months old but it's going it's growing pretty well and uh yeah. I, 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 it's fun for me because it's a change of pace of doing hunting stuff all the time yeah i can see how that would be nice to do sometimes sometimes yeah. i w- i, I want to just start my own like josh channel like where right. i can just, i can just make a video about whatever i want you know yeah uh, because a lot of people don't realize like YouTube kind of pigeonholes you uh, on what you can make. Like if, if we don't stay in our lane when it comes to like deer hunting and we put even just Turkey hunting videos just suck for us on, on that channel. Like if we don't stay in our lane, YouTube kind of punishes you and don't, doesn't really recommend it because you know, it's not what you're typically um, producing for your, your, um, your viewers. So yeah. I can imagine that can, that could probably be the, the same for you as if, probably some of your, just the random stuff you did. Some of them may, I mean, some of them probably did good, but some of them probably didn't do so well. It's Um, weird how the algorithms with that stuff work. For example, I put on my bow hunting channel, I put one of those random videos two years ago. I made one on how how to roll your hoses the right way. Okay. I do pressure washing. So I can teach people how to never fight with your garden hose again, how to roll it over, under, do it the right way. I made a seven minute video two years ago. In like the first year and a half that it's been out there, it's got like less than a thousand views. It was dead in the water. All yeah. of a sudden, two weeks ago went viral. Now it's got half a million views. Yeah. My comments are <laughs> blowing up to the point where it's taking me four hours to hit comments. But it took two years. It did nothing. And then all of a sudden, yeah. 
some reason, YouTube said everybody in the world is going to watch this video. <laughs> it's know? crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't know how they work or what they do, but that's YouTube mm. for you. Yep. So it's, it's an interesting thing to try to figure out. And I don't know if anybody really has per se, but um, then, then they change it on you uh, every year. They seem like they are tweaking the algorithm and whatnot. And the uh, rules, and what you can get away with, and what you can do, and how monetization monetization works. You know how yeah. it is. It's oh like yeah, never-ending battle with with YouTube, with Amazon, with all that stuff. You yeah. know, it's, they make it hard. Yep, yep. Um, also, before we start on Jason's uh, gear, we still have the membership uh, available. It would always be available, I guess. But I left the link to to join. If you guys see how, like Matt. There is green and he has emojis he could use and whatnot. He's, he's a member. So you guys just hit that, hit that link. It'll take you over there. And you guys, that's a good way to support the, the show. If you are, uh, if you're doing a hunting buddy, uh, membership, I do, uh, I try to do a couple of videos a month just outside of what we do on here. Random stuff. I did like a backyard tour the other day, um, of, of my place for, for everybody that's a member. And that's what I, uh, um, just doing stuff like that extra for the, for the members. And if you just want to just donate, there's also a pro chatter uh, membership is a lot cheaper as well. And you guys there, you get more emojis and what to use in the, uh, in the chatting there. That's why you see people using all kinds of crazy emojis. Um, anyway, let's get into your pack, Jason. How, how do you, uh, first of all, you, you take a pack. Into the I stand. do. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it depends on what people are doing. If they're only hunting their own back 40 or their own little 100-acre place, you probably don't need to take a pack with you. I'm running yeah. public land nonstop. And um, and even Michigan, Michigan is like, you know, like your Hoosier where you are. It's big, big country out there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some of those places are, you know, there. I used to think going a mile in the woods was a long way. You know, when I lived in Michigan to a stand was a long way. Now that I'm down here in Georgia, three miles is nothing. You know, you can, you got to cover some serious ground. So having a pack is, uh, is you know, for me is important. I got to have the stuff I need. I got to have something to be able to carry food and water. So when I leave the truck, you know, at 5 a.m., I'm not coming back until, you know, until, well, our season here starts uh, early September. So, I mean, I might be leaving at 5 a.m. and I might not be back till 11 o'clock at night, you know. Yeah, 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 for sure. And that's what I, uh, around here, I make sure I have a frame pack, too. If I'm not, I usually don't carry it, my frame pack with me when I'm hunting, uh, but I always have one in the in the truck ready to go, you know. Um, Same here. Yep. Yep. And, uh what frame pack do you like to use, Jason? I um the XOPs are or the uh, or not XOP the uh, uh, XO Mountain. <laughs> Good thing really Dan's not on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> um, but the uh, the uh, XO Mountain gears yeah. were they're really nice packs. I loved those. Um, but uh, I bought a uh, Mystery Ranch Pintler pack because it was on sale for like I got it for like two hundred bucks with a frame, and uh, I love it. I have never had a pack be so durable, uh, so strong. And I mean, I I have dropped it out of trees three times now. Um, you know, you go to hang it out with a carabiner and it's in the dark, and I miss the strap, and then all of a sudden your whole pack hits the ground from you know fifteen feet up, that kind of stuff. Um, it's been beat up a lot, and it's held up really well, and I like it. And I can load sling it out. So I can leave all my gear in the actual bag 
and I can put my sticks, my stand, everything on it, have it all cinched down real nice and tight. The frame flexes and twists with my body. So if I, you know, a couple times now I've had, I've killed deer walking in, you know, see deer, I start sneaking in on them. I'm able to stalk them. I can do it with my stand and pack and everything right on my back. Um, but when I kill a deer, I can take that pack super quick, loosen the straps, pop the top off, load sling it out, and I can fit that whole boned out deer between my pack and the frame, leaving all my stuff in the actual pack too, which is nice. So I don't have to empty it out. And uh, then I throw that deer on there, lay the antlers on the top. I usually carry a, uh, a orange handkerchief and I'll tie it right around the antlers. And uh, yeah. but the whole thing sits right there, and I can hike right out, and it's so comfortable. I mean, literally eighty pound loads, ninety hundred pound loads are not too bad one part that sucks is trying to get up off the ground with the pack on. Yeah. that's an adventure you know but once you're up i mean you can cover ground watch for stumps when you're doing it look for any kind of stump or down log that is at the right height so that you can rest on it for a minute and take a little bit yeah. of a break you know yeah as long as it's legal in your state packing out a deer is the way to go on public land I yeah mean, unless you have maybe like five guys with you where you could haul it out on a deer yeah. cart but even then like you're going to have to cut the dang thing up anyways. Like, Yeah. And I recommend out. boning it out, too. Uh, the yeah. first year I ever packed out, I quartered out. Uh, or I did it in quarters. I thought I'll just bone it out later. And uh, yeah. it was one of those Alaskan freighter frames, those metal ones that sit way up above yeah. your head. They got the big bar on there. And I had four legs sticking out in like 13 different directions and all that weight up high. I tripped like a dozen times, snagged on everything. All the extra weight oh, it was just exhaustingly brutal. Yeah. And uh, so the best way to do it is actually take the time to bone it out completely, put it in a game bag. It's a nice, you know, yay size kind of pack or a thing for you. Set that game bag on there put the you know cut the head right off put it on the top you're good to go it's so much yep. easier yep i i uh boned out my ohio and my nebraska buck this year because i was hunting by myself like I, and your uh, michigan one well you we did we no no, no we did that at the camp yeah. Yeah. yeah um and it was i mean it was like nothing i mean you just i just take your time and and get it get all the meat off as good as you can and all that and compared to if i would have had to dr try to drag one of them stupid things out of where i was at it wouldn't have yeah. happened i'd have killed myself so yeah um, another, I mean, just while Jason's recommending packs, I, I've ran an, uh, mystery, not a mystery ranch, a, um, stone glacier for like five years now. And I freaking love that thing. Awesome. Yeah. I, I've, I've tried, um, uh, I had a Sitka one for a little bit. It was, um, it was okay, but there's too much going on with it. Like with my frame packs, I just like to have something simple that just hauls, hauls meat. And the Sitka one has just too many kind of bells and whistles on it. Um, and I, I also, I've used a Kafaru one too. That's another really good one. That was, there was nothing wrong with that one either, but um, you can spend a lot of money on, on frame packs though. Yeah. I mean, I think a Kafaru, Kafaru, I think that thing was pushing a thousand dollars for that thing. Yeah. Yeah. They're not cheap. Um, but uh, now what do you use? I use a, uh, a Kuyu, I, I love, they don't make it anymore, but that Venture 2300 pack here, um, yep. I love that, but it's this is a non-frame pack. It's just a day pack style. Yep. That's, if, I if, use that all the time. If I use, if I'm just like scouting or need a pack, like if I'm on an out-of-state hunt or something, I I had the 1800 version. It's like the Venture 1800, yep. but yep. they don't make them. I don't, they don't make them anymore. They don't. No, they went to some, the, their other line now, which is not bad. But what I like about these and your 1800 is uh, I can actually hang, I hang my sticks and my stands on these compression yep. straps. You yep. know, I set them right on there. They, I even have stealth strips 
most amazing product ever made. But I have the stealth strips on here right where it goes around my V-stand so that it doesn't yeah. fray it and you know or cut it to the straps up. But I mount that, put it all right on the back, comfortable as could be, lightweight pack, works perfect. And um, if because I if I don't want to go back and get my frame pack. What I can do is I'll take my harness out of there. I'll take all that stuff I can out, put it on, put my binoculars on, clear out the main pocket as best I can, and I'll actually put the deer right in it, and it works fine. Yep, yep. Yeah, I, not as comfortable I, as a frame pack, but it works. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, that Venture 1800 I have, that's by far has been my favorite, like, day pack I've ever used. Yeah. Um, I've tried a bunch of them. Uh, I believe back in the – I mean, you've ran that forever, right, Jason? Because I think I got that from you many years ago now. Yeah, this one I think is about eight years old, eight, nine yeah. years old, this pack. And I have two more because I when they decided they weren't going to make them anymore, I, I jumped on it and I bought two more. Yeah. Um, so I got two more of those. I think I got two of your 1800s also. But the yep. pack layout of that, the, the layout, the pocket location on that Kuyu with this, everything about the pocket location is just straight up perfect for what we do. You know, I, I love the design of that. Um, yep. You know, even this big pocket right here, uh, everything about it is perfect, in my opinion, for a hunting pack. So, um, like I said, hopefully I got enough to last me the rest of my life, but because um, I, I, I love them. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's talk about what's inside that pack now that you carry Goodies. almost on every um, on every hunt. Uh, you uh, I, I don't know if you got a handy or not. I hope you do. Um you you don't wear your harness into the stand into the stand, do you? You keep that inside your pack, right? Yeah, I keep it in my pack. I don't want the because uh, a lot of the times you're dealing with the burrs and the stuff like that. I don't yeah. want them catching on my my uh, um, on the actual harness itself. And also, I just get tired of it. You know, whether it's the legs dropping or what, I, I just I'd rather just go in without it. And honestly, in a lot of places, like even here, um, there's like here, if you're if you hunt in Georgia, I'm sorry, you're gonna see me walking through the woods in my underwear with a pack on a lot because uh, yeah. of the heat down here. So <laughs> I mean, I'm literally, um, you know, not wearing a lot of layers in when I go in. So, uh, but I do, I have that. Uh, um, so I carry it inside. You know, I leave it right inside is how I have it. So that I put it on at the tree yeah. is what I do. Yeah, and this is something I get asked all the time. I, I use the same harness Jason has. Um, I get asked yeah, a lot about saddle. this harness. Yep. Yep. And then I got I think I got mine twisted around here. Yeah, like this. But uh, but I just leave it tucked in there. But, um, you know, it's, it's a tack-to-saddle tree stand harness. So it's actually designed for tree stands, not a saddle saddle. Um, and then I have mine, I haven't made mine with the metal rings on there like that for my lineman belt. Yep. He does. You got the fabric ones, I think, right on yours. I do. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The fabric ones are nice. I like these cause in the dark, it's just, a, it's a real solid, uh, connection. There's none of that. Uh, no, no, no chasing or fishing for them. It's just a very simple, um, real easy, you know, come in and connect onto that. You just, it's yeah. solid, you know, you're hooked onto that. So, um, but I, so I use metal rings. They're stealth stripped on mine. And then I actually use an 8.4 mil dynamic rope. I tie it on with a figure eight right on there and it stays on there all the time. Yep. And then I use just enough of this. I actually tie a bowline around a tree when I'm up where I am. And yep. even as I climb, I actually tie a running bowline on it. So it's almost like a girth hitch, but it's real quick to get around branches. And I slide it up with me. This little marker piece on here, this stealth strip here, that is my distance from the tree to my harness that I want to be at. So I, you know, when I throw it around a tree, I pull that knot to there, tie on my uh, bowline, and that's, you know, I'm, I'm done. It's so fast. 
So it works simple, quick and easy in a bowl line. Even if I were to fall on it, very easy to undo that knot, even after it's been stressed. So I, I use a bowl line when I'm in a tree, a running bowl line when I'm going up. And a, uh, you know, I use my, uh, my lineman belt, you yep. know, as a lineman. So that's kind of my setup there. But I love the hardest. I love not having those shoulder straps on and dealing with that, not being connected from the back. And most tree stand falls occur when you're facing a tree. With this, you're always facing a tree when most of the chances of anything going wrong are. So I, I love that style harness. Yeah, I do too. I used it all last year, and it's it's going to be what I use this year as well. Um, you kind of helped design that a little bit, didn't you, Jason? Yeah, you, you know, there wasn't anything like that out there, and I was modifying. First, I modified that uh, Petzl Gym harness. Yeah, rock climbing went, harnesses. You what? Rock climbing harnesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the Falcon model and that stuff. And John, John was been making saddles for – 30 years. And I, I finally dawned on me and said, you know what? I'm going to have him make me one. I asked him, I said, John, will you make me a, a tree stand harness to my specs? And he did. And he made it. And uh, then I, or he, I told him what I wanted based on a Petzl gym harness. And he did some tweaks on it and he's improved it even more now, but I love it. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, I came to him for it because I wanted something. There's nothing out there like it, you know, that yep. can do it. So, but yep. true dedicated tree stand rig with Lyman belts, with everything you want, the Molly, you know, the whole set for it. Yeah. So. Yep. I got the, the new and improved one on order. So oh, it's right here. This is it. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, it's pretty impressive because it has, uh, um, so on your fronts or the front side right here, so you got double buckles. Sorry, because I'm all twisted in my ropes, but you have double buckles here now. Yeah. So when, instead of having just one buckle where you pull it and then your lineman belt loops on hot days are perfect, but then when you got 30 layers of clothing on for wintertime, they end up off, you know, too far yeah. behind you. Yeah. This you can pull from both of these buckles and they're always staying right on your hips. You're just adjusting the this the front part. Oh, you're going to love it. It's so nice. Good deal. Uh, yeah, John called me up and said, hey, I got something I want you to try. And he, that's what he sent me. And I was like, oh, I love it. Yeah, yep. I do too. Um, all right, what's what's next in your in your pack that you'd like to show us? Um, then actually, some of this is in this one. I got two. This is my pig hunting pack. Yeah. You know, because I'm running hogs all the time here. So I'm always running a mystery ranch alligator. But, uh, yeah. um, but uh, I will say that one thing for me that's vitally important, probably the most important thing I can have, um, is going to be a uh, is going to be a quality headlamp, and when I say quality, I mean it's got to be able to go pretty bright too. It doesn't have to be blinding. Most of the time, I'm using it on low mode when I'm walking through the woods. Yeah. But when you're hanging stands in a new place you've never been to, going in blind in the dark in the morning, when you're trying to figure out shooting lanes from the ground and you're looking up at the tree, being able to turn that up bright and see it as good. Also, as you're climbing. You're climbing with it on low mode. You're hanging your sham, but as you're going up, you need to be able to crank that up so you can see through everything and actually see where your shooting lanes are. So you climb to the shootability. And uh, so a good headlamp matters. Uh, me, I use, and there's so many good ones, whether they're Nightcore. Um, these are my two favorites. I love the Nightcore one. This one is their Nightcore uh, HC68. Notice it's double beam. What's cool about that is it's focusable. One is wide, one is narrow. So when you have it on, and you can then just press the button and it's going to go, it's going to electronically give more power to one or the other. And it goes from a wide to a narrow one. I use this on my boat, John boat a lot when I'm running through the, the swamps because I can see really good far out. And, mm -hmm. um, but that's a good one. Um, and I like, but my favorite is this H beam. This is the H 30 from ACE beam. 
Um, just been a fantastic light. They all run on a, these ones that I buy, they run on a CR123 battery. So it's, or I'm, I'm sorry, a 21750 battery. So they're, mm-hmm. that's a big battery, 21700 battery. So that's a beast. Yeah. Um, but they're rechargeable. So that's nice. So I, you know, you buy the battery once, you're good. And, they, and the runtime on these things is just insane amount. The bright pop, brightness is, you know, insane. Uh, but a, a good headlamp, that is by far something I would never not have because of the fact that, again, you can use it. And then when I'm blood trailing too, I can be running this on like medium mode. You know, I don't have to get down on my knees and I can see the blood. Blood starts to go out or every once in a while. All I got to do is just touch that turbo button on the top. Look up, touch the turbo. I get 60 seconds of like 4,000 lumens and I can scan for eyes, you know, and I can see if he's out there or if he's watching me or if he's bedded down or any of that kind of stuff. Um, Headlamp's important to me. That's probably my number one thing. Yep. I'm going to switch headlamps this year. Maybe I'll try that H-beam out. Um, yeah, H-beam. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And they're not ridiculously priced. I, okay. I, uh, what was the one I was running this year? I cannot remember the name of it now. It was great, but the battery life on it was pretty poor. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I hunt a lot. And so I'm like, you know, it takes me an hour to walk out of the woods every night. And you're like, you're just burning through batteries. And I got kind of irritated with it. And then one of the, uh, uh, the uh, features of it is when the battery we get low, it, it blinks at you. So and zebra God, lighter, yeah, yeah. And I'd just be like, I, I just like I'd be walking through the woods, this thing be blinking, you know, and I it drive me nuts. I want to throw it off the, you know, out of the right. truck window some nights because it was like, stop blinking. I, I get it. Just go out if you're going to go out. Like, yeah. And know. then it's a dollar per battery, you know, yeah. <laughs> the CR one twenty threes. Yeah, you can buy rechargeables for them, but uh, but yeah, that gets it gets expensive. Um, these ones, the the runtime is the key because even a even an 800 lumen light is going to be powerful enough for you to see those shooting lanes when you're trying to set a tree stand up, things like that. But the more power you got, the better you got for scanning. If you're on a, on a, on a animal that could be gut shot or may not be a perfect hit. And you know how you're constantly always at every step, you're looking to see if he's out there, you know, at night with those eyes, um, having that real power is nice to be able to just, you know, put it on medium. You can scan, you can look for blood, you can do your thing, but every couple of steps pop up, hit the button and boom, you got a spotlight running out there looking for any eyeballs. Um, a lot of nice features to it. I like a good headlamp. Yep. And there's nothing more annoying than, blood trailing with someone that has a crappy light yeah yeah so i even carry i also always carry a flashlight too um because it's also nice too when you got a headlamp on anywhere you want to look outside you got to kind of do this with your head this sometimes where it's nice with a flashlight you can have your headlamp on but you could oh what's that no that's you can just spot check but i also even i use uh for the same battery system this is another a screen this is their e70 but same kind of thing it's not not real big but it's uh runs on that same massive battery. So your runtime is just days and days. I, I love it. Yeah. Um, but you're getting, uh, you know, but they're, so they both operate on this same exact battery, another 4,000 lumen light. So if I need to, I can really light the world up. And, but you can also tone it, you know, it can run on low, you got four different modes. It works perfect. So I, I'm a big fan of the lights yep. out there. Is it, is it H beam or ACE beam? ACE, A-C-E, oh. ACE beam. Yep. Okay. I misheard you the first time. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's next in there, Jason? Uh, next in there would be, and it might be interesting to people, especially you compound guys, or maybe you guys already do it. Um, but when you're hauling your roll or hauling your, uh, well, that's a little tip right there too. That's a hole right there. 
stealth strips. Yeah. Look at that stealth strip band aid. They were that thing has been on there all year, and it has been just amazing. So if you get a hole Still in your bag, put stealth strips on it. There you um, go. But when I do my haul lines, a lot of people, um, you know, paracord things like that, they actually make what's called a seven fifty cord. Yeah. And I don't know if I have any paracord. Uh, well, here's a piece of paracord to show you difference-wise on here on this knife, but you can see this thickness difference between 750 and this is 750, this is 550 paracord. Uh, yeah. So this 750 is much easier in your hands to be able to pull up with and be able to draw, you know, bring your bow up. Because uh, oh, I yeah. take my bow and my pack at the same time. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I use something, I think it's even a little thicker than um, the 750 cord. I think it's maybe like quarter inch um line of some sort it having a little thicker paracord or a pull-up rope is pretty nice yeah uh, especially don't buy them i mean don't buy them crappy like bundle packs that you can get at walmart that's like specifically for a pull-up rope and they're like thread <laughs> almost you know it's you can that's literally such a, see the scars on your hand oh yeah <laughs> don't buy that stuff yeah uh get you some like jason said 750 or just quarter inch rope or just something different um, yeah, it makes a difference when you're pulling up your pack too. Um, because like I said, I, I run my pack on mine. I actually have two knots on here. I got a, a, a knot right there, you can or this loop here, and then I got my loop on the end. Uh, about yeah. probably 12, 14, 16 inches apart. But I hook my pack carabiner on this one, mm -hmm. and this one goes through my bow. So when I pull it up, the pack lifts off the ground first, and then the bow follows. When I let them down, the bow touches the ground first, and I can gently move my pack out of the way and let the pack lay next to it. Yeah. Um, but when you're trying to pull the bow and your pack, especially during rut time when you're out there, you, you know, you may not be sitting in the same spot all day, but you're not coming back to the truck. So you're yeah. carrying a little bit of food. You got some water, you got some extra weight in that pack. And it definitely, uh, you know, having a, having a cord like this, it's not going to hurt your hands as a gold mine. Yeah. Um, you have, a as far as carabiners and stuff, I know you, you have some carabiners, any recommendations on those? You know, I uh, for for clothing or for packs and stuff, I really like these uh, wire ones because they're freeze proof. If a, a carabiner yeah. like this, they're alpine grade, I guess, but that'll that can't freeze. You know, it's not going to lock up on you under any circumstances. They're still climbing grade. I think this is a what is this? Uh, um, this is a, uh, a twenty-two kilonewton. You know, so yeah. complete climbing rated. But I like those ones for that on my lineman belts. Um, I like, because I'm using a rope man one ascender, I want a round shank one on here where it's yeah. completely rounded. So otherwise you can use the other ones, but then the thing just wants to constantly flip sideways on you like yeah. that for this square. Right. So I like round and I always want locking on my lineman belt for that safety factor. Yep. So I use this one here. This is, they don't make this one anymore. It's a pestle attache. Um, uh, attache. They, they make it, but they've changed the design, but I like that. Um, and then on the other end, which this is a side that I'm, recooking around branches all the time i just use a quick spin and you know so that's yep. literally that yep. simple and it locks the key thing with carabiners today make sure that they're this style and not the old hook styles i might have a hook one on uh just something back here maybe let me look i think i know what you're talking about like they get caught on everything yeah, it's kind of like a, a finger hook like this yeah. on there. Yeah. And when you use that, when it closes, that little hook on there is going to snag on everything. Where yeah. when you use these ones, you know, the other ones, they have a, this part right here has got a hook inside of it. Yeah. And there's a bar yeah. that no, catches I, it. 
I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, they hook yeah. on every part of your clothing or on everything. This is yeah. nice and smooth and easy. So get those ones. Yeah. Like that. They're the best ones. No, but that's these little auto lockers, you just twist it, open it, and when you let go, it automatically locks. They're, right. they're a nice feature. Yep. So you don't carry calls or anything with you, do you, Jason? No, um, I don't. Um, I, you know, once in a while, if I'm in a certain state, it's pretty good. I might carry a little rattle bag with me. Yep. Um, and I'll use that. Um, but other than that, I, I usually am doing the only call I really use is an estrus bleed call. And I just yep. make it with my mouth and I'm not doing it for everybody. But I'll literally, you know, and I'll do it like yeah. that. And, uh, uh, and it works pretty good. I'm, I'm not a big fan of calling them. Um, I've just, you know, usually I fail at it. So, but yeah. if I got, if I, if I got bucks running does and they're in a the thicket over there and I hear them crashing around, I'll try it then. And there's a lot of times I can pull them out of there or pull, or if I see a buck go in and bed down somewhere and then I'll wait for a little bit and then I'll do that. I'll, I'll do it with my mouth like that and I'll be able to pull them out of there. So that's pretty much the only call I use. Yep. What else you got in there? Do you carry any like safety stuff or, um, not too much anymore. The first aid stuff. I, I, aid, uh, yeah. you know, it's, I don't think I even have it out here. Um, but I, I honestly don't, I, I just, you know, you carried it for 30 years and you never used it for anything. Um, so I do carry inside there. I've got a couple of band-aids, a few little things tucked in there, but nothing major like that. I have, uh, like I said, working out of two packs here, oh, you're um, good. but most important thing you always have to have, and you can tell mm-hmm. I don't skimp on it. We're going big time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, for them, that's for them 30 wipers. Yeah. <laughs> this is fun. Not only that, but, you know, for blood trailing, <laughs> for everything, for fire starters. And I got so tired of taking a little bitty, like, you know, where you wrap a little bit around your hand and you throw it in there. Like, not, yeah. then you got to keep refilling it. See, I, uh, I, I have to disagree with you there, man. Flushable wipes, there's nothing better for yeah. in the bathroom in the woods than flushable wipes. Yeah, because they're uh, still biodegradable and they're clean, and you can use yeah. them to wash your hands, and you can use yeah, them for a lot of yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but toilet paper also works well. I, yeah. I just put I put a bunch of flushable wipes in a baggie when I'm going to be out there for a long time, and or especially if I'm out of state hunt, and keep those in my pack with me. Yeah. And then the toilet paper is good too for blood trailing. It is, I use yeah. it a lot for that. You know, when I, when I, if I need it and a blood trail is not quite what I wanted and I know I'm going to use it, I pull that roll out and I'll just wrap a bunch around my hand and stick it right in my shirt pocket and put that back in my bag. And then that way as I'm going, I can just, uh, you know, hang a patch here, just a square every couple of branches, but you can really get that line real well. Yeah, see, I, I don't typically carry my uh, like deer recovery stuff with me. And I have, I'll have a, I have like a separate kit that I go back to the truck and I'll just grab it and dump my stand and my, and get my frame pack. And I have that in my frame pack. So that's something we're different on, but, uh, you can sure. Well, my, my, uh, that kit that I carry is kind of, you know, I keep it real simple. Is that it right here? Yeah. This is like, this is my whole, um, my whole entire kill kit. Now this is basically what we got in here. This is, uh. You know, I, I got a pillowcase because I don't use game bags too much anymore. Not for deer, I do, but hog hunting, I prefer a pillowcase uh, because then I don't. Hogs, you're not getting, unless you're killing some whopping 200-pound hog, most of your hogs you're shooting are 50 to 100 pounds. You know, you're not getting tremendous amounts of meat out of them, so I can actually fill this uh 
pillowcase with that meat. And rather than having to put it in my pack, I just throw it right over my shoulder like Santa Claus and carry it out with me. Um, and a pillowcase will let you do that. Game bags are too springy. So I carry pillowcases. And, uh, you know, I got rubber gloves. And I have a, a garbage bag if I need it. And I got my Havlon in there with extra blades. But that's yeah. my whole... You know, that, that's my whole kit that I need right there as far as that kind of stuff goes. Um, the uh, the garbage bag is handy sometimes for, like I said, when you get into the, when you're down here in the swamp and you got nothing but a lot of mud and muck and everything around you, you don't want to set the game bag and all, you don't want to get all that crap dirty. So the garbage bag is nice. I'll cut the sides of it, turn it into a little tarp and lay it down, you know. Yep. Um, but, that's what I, I essentially have the exact same thing. I have game bags. I've had them for years now. I just keep bleaching them and moving on you know yeah they uh, were good yeah and then i have i carry a havilon i think that's a really good tool for i mean it's not as sexy as sharpening your fixed blade knife and all but like when you're just trying to get a deer quartered up and get him out of there like there's it's hard to beat a uh a havilon uh especially are, yeah and you're in the yeah. Yeah. You're in, you're in the dark and it, you know, half the time it's raining half yeah. the time your back's hurting like crazy. Cause you're bent over, you know, you can't, you know, it, it, there's a lot of not good stuff when you're doing it. You got leaves sticking to everything. It's, it's can be a challenge under some of those circumstances. Yeah. So it's, it's the last time I want to pull out a knife and start sharpening things. I want to be able to literally just rock it through, you know, yeah. if it's raining and miserable, deer's boned out in 30 minutes and you're out of there. If yeah. it's a beautiful, nice day, might take you an hour and 20 minutes because you're really taking your time and you're enjoying the process. But there's yeah. a lot of times you're not enjoying the process. You just yep. want to get it done. And a Havilon helps. Yep. And uh, I'd carry a couple of those big trash bags with me. Um, I also keep a extra headlamp in that little pack too, just in case. Um, Good idea. Outside yep. of the one. And uh, always I keep an extra battery for it too. Um, yeah. Uh, I know. What, well, before we go to the next thing you mentioned with the garbage bags, I want to clear the air on something that, um, you know, that a lot of people believe. But and, and now that I'm down here in the south, I have literally talked to, you know, 50 people that do this down here. And you got to understand the heat and everything we're dealing with. But a lot of people seem to think that, oh, you got to put it in a game bag. Never put it in a garbage bag. Never put your meat in a garbage bag, especially on a hot day. Everybody down here, they don't use game bags. They will bone out a deer on a 95-degree day, stick it all into a black garbage bag, put it inside of their pack, hike three miles out to their truck and put it in a cooler, and they never have a problem. So mm. if uh, people don't want to deal with game bags, they want to have to. Like I said, in the north, where I was from in Michigan, in a lot of places, it was like taboo to use a plastic garbage bag. Down yeah. here, that's all they use. And, and again, the temperatures are literally 95 and 100 degrees in September, and they're having zero issues with it. So let that be something, you know, if you don't want to get your pack all uh, bloody or anything like that, or you're worried about it, don't be afraid to put it in a, in a garbage bag for the transport from the field to your cooler. Don't leave it in a garbage bag, yeah. you know, but it's not going to hurt nothing. So if you don't want to go buy game bags or you haven't made them or, you know, that transport time, easy peasy with a garbage bag. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else with a, a kill kit to to talk about, but I think we covered it all pretty. Well, wet wipes terrible. are good. I carry wet wipes in here, little yeah. uh, little bitty individual package wet wipes, but your your flushables would work too. But something like that's not only good for uh, um, getting your hands clean and things like that when you're out there doing that, but it's also nice if you are using a regular knife. You're using a you know something that's going to be a. Uh, um, you know, like a high carbon, 
you know, blade something like this here, you can even see how mine, you know, the patina that's on mine and stuff. But if it's going to rust out on you, um, then it's important to be able to uh, wipe all that stuff off and clean it so that you, you know, get that fat and tail off your blade so that you yeah. don't have to worry about that. Yeah. 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 There's not always a creek next to you or anything, you know, right. ideally that's, that happens, but usually it doesn't. Yeah. Um, just everybody, just so you know, like it's not legal in every state to pack out a deer. So just make sure you check that in Indiana. You actually have to check it in before you can pack it out. Yeah. Um, here, there's a few places I hunt, even here in Georgia, where I'm not allowed to back it out. There's even one place here that I hunt that I'm not even allowed to gut it. I have to bring it whole, ungutted, to the ranger station and have it checked in before I can even uh, do anything. So, like I said, you got to check your laws everywhere. For that, those situations, jet sled. Jet sled is your best friend. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, a sled's a, a pretty nice tool. And if you're going to have a cart, I would recommend getting a quality one that doesn't fall apart because I've had, uh, I've had <laughs> this chunk. You go through the woods and it rocks yeah, a couple yeah. of times, all of a sudden this yeah. wheel falls off. Wheel falls off, yeah, you're dumping over. Um, <laughs> we had, we, we used one in Michigan and uh, no, we were, we had a, we had a, uh, I, I'm lying to you. We were using a sled, but anyway, me and Eric, uh, we were pulling it, the sled together. It was one, it was one of Dan's old sleds and it's actually a really good sled. It's, pretty nice and low profile and big enough for a deer. But uh, we had a big long stick in, in, in between the, or uh, through the rope, you know, and we were both just pulling this doe I shot out and uh, yeah, we got like halfway there and I'm like, man, he must be, uh, he's a, he, he must be taking all the load, you know? And I, we just kept walking and I kind of finally, I said something, I'm like, I'm like, Hey, we can adjust this. So you're not pulling so much. And he goes, Oh, I thought, I thought you were pulling it all. And we looked back and the doe wasn't even in the sled. We'd, <laughs> We had just like been pulling the sled for a while. So, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I remember you were telling me that story. Yeah, but even even then, like I kind of it would have been easier to just pack that dough out on my on our backs, especially yeah. if we had th three people. It'd been super easy. You could have just quartered it then. Um, yeah. But uh, saws, what kind of saw do you carry with you? I'm real particular on the saws. I've tried a lot of different ones. And uh, the reason for it is, is I, I, I don't trim a whole bunch, actually. I don't use a saw too super often because I'm on public land. Um, but when I do got to use a saw, especially when you're setting up somewhere in the dark in the morning, there's a lot of noise that comes from that, you know, and cutting those branches. And it's kind of unnatural. So I want to saw this really, really fast. So I spend, so I only have to do six cuts rather than do 20 cuts, you know, yeah. for the noise factor. And I want the durability. So for me, saw wise, um, I like the, uh, the silkies are nice. I ran them for a long time, but in my opinion, the ARS saws, um, are absolutely the best saws out there. This is all I buy anymore and they're not expensive, but ARS, uh, right here, you can see ARS. Um, but I like, these are Japanese blade. This saw weighs nothing. I mean, it's like, it, it just weighs nothing. Your classic, I'm a huge fan of the classic lock style on this. It's super tough. It doesn't break and uh, it just works really good. But this is the ARS, uh, what is this, a GL or G, uh, GT? I don't know. It doesn't even say on there what it is. But uh, but like I said, Japan made. But just in, this saw is my favorite saw I've ever owned. Um, gotcha. You know, I got reviews on it on my YouTube channel. But uh, um, but ARS saws, I don't think you can do any better. I, uh, I have that silky pocket boy. Yeah, it's it's nice, but it's a little bit short. Like the the blade on it's really short. So, um, and it's heavy. It's a great saw, but it's got yeah. a. It's this one is half the weight of that silky. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That silky's built solid and heavy, but the Pocket Boy is my favorite silky one. Yeah, 
I've used that a couple of years, but um, I never used the one you had there, but I'm sure it's, it's probably if I bought a new one, I'd probably get that one. Cause the silkies are, how much are those, those ones? Silkies. I don't remember. Cause I haven't bought the pocket last pocket boy I bought was a long time ago. I'm guessing yeah. they're somewhere between 30 and 50 bucks. I'm yeah. Thinking. They're $50. Now, how much are the ones that you you're running? That's like $23. Yeah. And like I said, I like it better. It's just, it's, it's, it, you know, they're, they're both about the same speed as far as a cut. They're pretty similar. Um, and I've tested that cutting two by fours and things like that in videos. Um, so they're both pretty close, but it's just so light, so fast. I can operate it one-handed, open and close when I'm going up a tree. You know, it's just, like I said, I, I, I love it. Yep. Um, let's see here. People were asking about if you use any, take any knife sharpeners or do you got a knife sharpener recommendation? You know, I'm old school in the fact that I use basically a ceramic rod for pretty much everything. Just one of these that uh, they come in a Lansky kit, but I use these just, uh, you know, a simple ceramic rod like this. And uh, I do it all by hand. Like is that hunting one, I'll take this and I'm just running it, you know, and I'll work them this way. And I just, like I said, that's what I, I do for most of the stuff. If I have to reset an edge, if I got to uh, redo a bevel, I take it out on my belt sander. And then, I'm yeah. and then I finish with this and then I strop with leather and then I uh, strop with denim afterwards. Same thing I do with my heads. It's a simple process, but uh, I think the best tool, your knife or uh, broadhead sharpener or kitchen knife sharpener, the best sharpener anybody can get just a simple $50 Harbor Freight one by 30 belt sander. You know, yeah. it's, it's flawless. It works incredible. The belts are dirt cheap. It'll last you your entire life. And, you know, one quick and you're done, you're done. And then just touch it up on a ceramic rod or whatever your favorite sharpening stone is. And, uh, you know, for a couple quick licks and you're done. It's easy. Yep. Sharpen broadheads and everything else too, yep. if you need to. Yeah, um, especially these, uh, you know, a lot of the newer broadheads, they're heavy, heavy Rockwell. They're hard, you know, they're they're good quality steel. They're thick. Um, you know, it's nice to be able to set that quick bevel on there. If you hit a rock with a, you know, with a with a Zawicki head from 30 years ago, yeah. you know, you can take a file and put it back together in 30 seconds. You do that with, uh, you know, with a lot of the modern heads today, you got a lot of work to get that. You, you can fix it, but it takes a lot of work to do it with a file. Yeah. It's nice to have a belt sander just zip right through it. Yep. Uh, just while we're on the subject, what kind of fixed blade knife have you recommended guys look at nowadays? Uh, you know what? There's so many good ones out there. Anything by SE is really good. I like the SE's, uh, the three SE three, the Azula is amazing. I don't think I have an Azula sitting right here, Andy. Um, I probably do in here. Like I said, I got crap all over the place, but, uh, <laughs> just, you know, this is my office and storage and all that stuff. But, uh, like an Azula would be right here. So, yeah. Here's, here's actually a new one, but that would be your Azula. So it fits yeah. in your hand well, you know, they're just a, a solid, perfect size, just under three inches easy. You can get it with scales without kind of thing. That's a great knife. Um, and there's a, you know, you got the Bradford, Guardian 3 is another one that I really like. That's yep. a fantastic, you know, good shape, good, comfortable use. Uh, so lots of that kind of stuff, custom ones. Uh, Donnie Wilkinson over there at uh, Creek Walker Trading. This yep. knife here I love. It's uh, it's your true kind of uh, um, trade knife for as far as for, uh, you know, bushcraft type knife. This thing weighs nothing. It's mm. I mean, it weighs nothing. Um, high carbon steel, wicked, scary sharp. Uh, see so the he same, see, he's the same guy that makes the quivers? Yes. 
Yeah, okay. Creek Walker Trading. Yeah, and he yep. builds these knives. And like I said, they are pretty awesome. I, I mean, I love them. Uh, real thin. You can see it's just real perfect deer oh, yeah. hunting knife, slicey style. Um, and then uh, I'm a huge fan of um, uh, Travis Styles over Broken Compass Knife. He Actually, this one is designed... Um, I had him design it for me. This is, he calls it the Minuteman now, but uh, I love this shape. This is what I also EDC carry every single day, uh, which is what this one is right here as well, too. You know, that's, they're, they're both identical mm -hmm. kind of thing, but this is in my pocket every single day. Uh, this is my backup one. As you can see, I do beat them a lot. They, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not gentle on them. They get beat up. This one, just today I sold some pressure washing equipment. That is all bleach and sodium hypochlorite staining in there that I'll clean up. But, you know, like I said, they, uh, you know, they get used pretty hard. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, fixed blades, though. I don't have many. Uh, I don't have any folders, I don't think, left too much anymore. Yeah. Something else I, I started carrying in the deer woods a couple years ago is a, uh, like a real, it's, a, it's called a free P4. It's a Leatherman. Yeah. multi-tool i use that thing all the time in the woods i mean yeah. it, you know it, it has a saw on it that's not too bad actually and um it's not nothing compared to like a silky um or you know some kind of hand saw um but like to fix things having like a pair of needle nose in your pocket it's like sometimes it saved me a couple times especially it, it's not relevant to most people like i have a bunch of camera gear that has a bunch of bolts on it that always come loose and crap you know um so camera arms and everything else are always coming loose because those are constantly moving around, you know? Um, and that thing has saved me a whole bunch of times. And there's been so many times in camp when like someone needs a, uh, pair of needle nose and I don't know, it's always in my pocket now, no matter, no matter where I'm at really, but especially hunting. Um, yeah. I carry a, uh, they quit making it. They still make the Swiss tax, but this one's got the double, um, they quit making this one a few years yeah. ago. So I bought extra, but it's got the big and a little screwdrivers in them. Yep. We got that, but I, in my pocket every single day has been for 25 years, this style, but say it's not as good as a Leatherman by any means. Sure. But you do got good, you know, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I use it, but it's, uh, it's in my pocket every single day. Just always in there. Got to have some, something to work with. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There, what else? Is there anything we missed inside your pack itself, Jason? Um, I, there's probably, well, I always carry a GPS. Some of it I got scattered around right now, stuff-wise. Um, I do always keep a vest in here just in case I get cold. Yeah. I got that, you know, that cool you vest. And then in my pocket of my vest, I make a point to also carry these big oversized gloves. Okay, they're just big, fuzzy, oversized gloves. And the reason for that is they'll keep my hands warm in my pocket. But when my hands are in my pocket, I can just stretch that out. If I, It's real easy for me to pull my hand out of this glove. So it's almost yeah. like a hand warmer in my pocket as an extra insulation yeah. layer. And I leave it on real loose where I'm just in there because I don't wear gloves when I'm shooting. I just got my tab on. But having that in my pocket, that extra insulation, so they always stay in that vest pocket. So if I get cold, I pull the vest out and I have, you know, the vest and I have my hand warmer pockets in there. So that's always with me. Um binoculars i don't i'm one of those guys that will not hunt without binoculars doesn't matter if it's pigs deer whatever it is they're the same. most valuable tool you can have in the woods yeah, so same uh, and they got to be on you you know i don't want them hanging in a tree um i want them always right here on me where i can access them and then that way you shoot something you can come you know they're just yeah. right there so and, yeah. and you go you just go with the um like the lantern on them you don't have like a uh harness 
Nope. I want just a strap. I do have harnesses. Um, and there have been times I used it, but honestly, unless it's like, unless I'm in a place like the mountains where I, in Georgia, where it's just, um, it looks like a jungle and I'm slipping and I'm falling all the time in the mud and in the rain and stuff where I'm constantly cramming them into the dirt. Um, I would rather not have anything on them. So I even like, so like on my, uh, my 10 by forties, uh, my 10 by 42s, I got them on those old style where they crisscross in your back yeah, and you slide yeah. them right. I, I love those. Um, yeah. I just want them right there in handy. Um, I also carry these, which are nice. This is my eight or, or uh, my, uh, my strap set for, uh, big diameter trees. So if my straps on my uh, B stand or my sticks, it w- if it won't go all the way around a tree, I'm not a fan of rope mods. So I don't use like rope mods. I actually use the actual cam buckles, you know, yeah. that come with them. Mm-hmm. Well, I can take the one or two of these and I just feed it through the loop on the end, feed it over itself. So it kind of cinches right down on there, you know, yeah. and yeah. Uh, gives me that extra length on my strap. And then I'll put that right around my Versa button. So yeah. I carry five of these so that I have enough to get three sticks, my stand, and an extra one if one of them at the base needed to be doubled up. But I just, you know, you you take your loop on your strap, feed it right through it, and then just come right over like this, and yep. that cinches down. I try to get this out of the center so it's not going to get right. that weird angle. But it's that's, uh, yeah, so it's, yeah, so when it's on the side. But, yeah, but it works really good, and they're easy to undo, but it gives you that extra length to get around those those trees that you thought you could make it, and you go to put the strap around, and you can't do it. So And what, what exactly are those things, then? These are called rock climbing slings um, by GM Climbing. They're on Amazon is where I got them. You get them as a three-pack. These are the 12-inch. You can get them 24-inch. It's also what I use for an eight around my sticks. I use a 24-inch version of this. But they're mm-hmm. rated for something like, yeah, 22 kilonewtons. Okay, so these things are strong, and uh, but you get a three pack for like ten bucks. So I got a and then I just put I set put set them there. I take one of these, pull it through, and then that just rides in the bottom of my pack down there. But it doesn't take up much room, and it's going to let me get around those trees. Those big you get those big white right. oaks. That, you know how it is. You can't oh, get yeah. a stand around it, you know, so, or a stick around it. So those come in uh, real handy. Um, and then you want to have extra battery. I even like here. Here's my 24. I carry an extra one. I have an aider on my bottom stick. This is another one so that when I'm hunting hill country, if I have to be on a downhill side of where I want to be and I want to stretch that out further, I got one X. So now I can actually run two aiders instead of just one. I can put this on my second stick. So I carry that right in there. Um, You know, that kind of thing. A lot of it's camera related gear, you know, plants and stuff. Um, milkweed obviously and i carry mine like that just like you know dan's always done but it's i just put it in a one of these little containers pull it right out of there yeah so but uh, milkweed's always got to be easy to access um and if you're packing deer out on your sticks and stuff like that carry some extra paracord because you can use this to, to lash things around you're going to have legs poking out that uh you might put your straps around it and that game bag might start spitting out the middle out of the sides. You know, it's nice to have paracord that you can just lash all that stuff in, tie the antlers to the top of your pack. Um, You know, that sort of thing. I think that uh, pretty much food, obviously what's in here. So this is, so like here is spare parts stuff. I carry extra batteries that that CR one or that uh, 21700 battery spare compass camera gear pieces that I need for the GoPros, things like that, cables, yeah. piece of stealth strip on there, um, a spare bowstring. So, you know, just some 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 of your basic got to have kind of things. Um, and I think that's pretty much it. 
I am pretty sure the saw's in here. But the key thing to remember is to put your stuff in a place and keep it in the same pockets all the time. And that way you don't have to fight with it. And also make sure all the pockets that you're going to put anything important in zip. Because if they don't zip and you take this and that was open and you, you know, you go to open your main compartment when you go to pull your harness out and you flip this down, anything that's in there is now lost in the leaves in the dark. Yeah. So, yeah, make sure everything that you're putting anything important in is going to be a zip pocket um, and sealed up well. And uh, I think that pretty much covers that one. This is my, the hog one. Apparently there was a, no, I ate that, but I always have beef jerky with you. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that's good. Um, one tip that I really like, honestly, if you're hunting hot, hot weather like I am down here, um, I really like these little, these are helmet liners for uh for uh bike for for like helmets uh motorcycle helmets yeah. but they keep the shine down on my head and they soak the sweat up really good so i don't get any of that sweat running down it stays in this mm. and it's real easy for me to take this and just it's just almost like a super see-through almost lightweight beanie but when i hit the creeks and stuff i'll take this stick it in there and soak it put it right oh so refreshing so huh. uh you guys that hunt cold or hot weather these little things have been a game changer for me. Um, and then if you're into your hero shots and that kind of stuff, one of these is priceless. So you, you know, just a little flexible tripod. This is a cheap one off of Amazon. They're literally like 12 bucks for this whole setup. But you can wrap this around tree branches and lock it if you want higher up, set it on your pack, your phone clamps right in here, just like that. You know, you're, you're done. That's it. And then you can adjust that and you can get your own pictures, your own videos, anything you want. But like I said, these things cost 10, 12 bucks. They weigh next to nothing. You can, you know, they're just, they fit right in your pack real easy. Yeah. So, you know, those things are gold mine. You know, I know like you, me and you, we got, we have the gorilla ones and it gets yeah. used and, you know, yeah. but the Jobies, but these are, these are fantastic. Yeah. Um, yep. And then I think that's about it. Another, in this kit here too, spare part stuff. All those spare pieces, extra GoPro batteries, bowstring. Every pack is going to have some of that kind of spare stuff that we're going to need in. Mm -hmm. And then, because uh, I do run thermocells, I got spare thermocell things in there. And yeah. Fluid, down here, that thermocell has to be right here all the time. Yep. So if you're, yeah. So, if you're, yeah, if you're down there, for sure. Yep. Yep, that's mandatory kind of thing. Um, Clipper-wise, I will give a tip on those for people that are ground hunting and things like that. I have tried every ratchet pruner, everything that there is out there. I've owned all of them. This one right here that you get at Walmart or at, uh, at Fiskars, okay? But you get this at Walmart or uh, Home Depot. It's like $12. is by far the best clippers I have ever ran in my entire life. You squeeze it. You slide the lever forward. There they are. You can lock it. Just You know, this just goes up and down to lock it. Um, but they're dead quiet. They work perfect, uh, and they're fast, and they're strong. They're built to last. The plastic ones, I break them all the time down here. But just something like that for 12 bucks has been just awesome. And when they close, they close with this nice tight point that protects it. You can carry these in your pocket so I can stick them right in my side pocket. They don't poke holes in it. They have been riding in this side pocket of my pack with my bug spray here right there for, yeah. for three years now in this pack. And they have never, you know, never opened themselves or been an issue. They're, those clippers are phenomenal. So, um, yeah, and I think that's about it other than always have snacks. This Snickers bar has probably been melted and refrozen or re-solidified. <laughs> 
75 times. <laughs> and now oh, still that's funny. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, yeah. I mean, that pretty much covers the back stuff, I think. Um, let's go back to binos. Are you a uh, ten by forty-two, or do you like small ones, or what do you what do you like to run? Um, I I, I really like the six and seven power, even an eight. Uh, the seven powers that I those Swarovskis that I have, they're I've had them now for thirty years. They're a seven by thirty. They don't make them anymore, but they're they're incredible. Yeah. Um, and I love them. That's why I only use them in my deer hunt pack. I don't even climb a tree with them. I put them on once I'm up there. I hunt with them because I, I don't want anything to happen to them. Uh, my pig binoculars for hog hunting are, where'd they go? Did they fall? I thought I heard them fall out. I saw Somewhere. them a second ago. Yeah, I thought they, uh... yeah, I had them for a minute. And, but they're, I, uh, I don't know what happened to them, but they were in this bag. They were in this, but yeah, they're a right. uh, vortex. Um, they're a, uh, a vortex diamondback, uh, and I, I like the eight by thirties. They're eight by thirty two actually, but they're nice yeah. and compact. Oh, here they are. Riley took them. What are you doing there, dog? Um, but they're just as simple. They're they're just small. They're compact. They work really good. These have been beat up really bad. They um, they they take a lot of abuse. And they're only like a two hundred dollar binocular. I love them. They're they're yeah. fantastic. Um, so, but I like these smaller ones. I'm gonna wear them. These ones, I just made my own. I make my own. This is a paracord wrap on there, and I got a slide adjuster. Okay, so just simple as can be. But when I have them on, um, there's none of that. They're they're just right here. They're out of the way. They're tucked in good. They're not big, bulky on my neck. You know, especially if you got a shirt on, you got a collar right there. But they're just ultra lightweight. They're always there, which means I wear them. And after ten minutes with them on, you completely forget they're there. As far as any, you know, I can wear them for ten miles a day with no fatigue all the time. So yeah. uh, that's what I like. If I go to a bigger eight by forty two, I don't wear them. Then they're stuck yeah. in my pack, and I make an excuse why I don't need them. Yeah, these not I'm always wear. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I have a I have a set of Mavens, and I think they may be six by thirties. Yeah. Mavens, the only one that still makes a six by, and it's amazing. I haven't yeah. tried your six by, but I reviewed their seven by seven by thirty or something a few years yeah. ago. Their binoculars are amazing. I love yep. Mavens. Yep. Yeah, I also have a set of their ten by forties, but um, I have a little set too. Um, Farrell had a good question. He said, "Do you run a rope or gear line around the tree to hold your pack?" I do not. I actually run um, on my bee stand and on my lone wolf. Any stand that's got the antler bracket or what we used to call the bat wing bracket on the, the lone wolves. But those brackets, if they got a cutout in them at any kind like that, this carabiner will drop right in there. So I climb up when I'm up there right into the bat wing bracket or the antler bracket where a hole is. I just lock this in and that keeps my pack literally right at my side. And so I just hang that carabiner plunk right onto that uh, that that bracket yep now you saddle guys might be a little harder you're not you know uh, you don't really hit unless you're on a platform but if i was a saddle hunter then i would probably make a simple quick strap something that you could just wrap right on the tree and hang it on yeah yep there's all kinds of products out there for that nowadays mm -hmm. uh that's the wrong one there was a question oh robert yes how many deer did you kill last year jason uh last year i uh, what do we get? We got four in four in Michigan, five. I think I killed. No, I did not kill one. So I think I killed five deer last year. 
Yeah, it was also the, the slowest year ever in my, my out-of-state hunts. I only hunted two out-of-state trips. One was two and a half days, and one was two and a half days. So shortest I've ever done on that kind of stuff. Yep. Yep. Jason's not shy about the slinging arrows at deer. Yeah, that's food. It's all food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the freezer. <laughs> and I'm not um, picky. You know, I mean, I, I'm not picky at all. You know, yep. you can't eat the antlers. Yep. You're a you're a longbow guy too. If people didn't know that, you you're exclusively shoot a, a longbow, so yeah. that substantially makes it harder. Uh, me and Dan had an argument about this the other night. How, how what percentage do you think it increases your uh, um, odds of getting a deer when you go from a a longbow to a compound? How much how much harder is a longbow? You know, I don't. Uh, that's that's a tough one. Um, you know, it's it's there's two aspects. One is the distance. I mean, yeah. I can't tell you how many deer because I won't shoot beyond 20. So if a deer walks by 25 yards, I have to let it go. And uh, like I said, I've let some big deer, You've I've got them on video where it's like, I, I can't shoot him at 25 yards. He's gone. Um, and uh, so you let him go. So there's that aspect. So you really got to be meticulous in your tree selection. Um, and then the other one is too, is there's so much going on at the shot and so much of the mental aspect, plus you're holding all the weight. You don't have the draw checks. You don't have the sight pins. You don't have, you know, there, you know, you do both. So mm-hmm. there's so many variables in that. To, I, I won't tell you the number of times I've missed a shot at a deer at eight yards, but let's yeah. just say that I don't have enough fingers. We'll put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> variables come up, you know, things just happen or you just get cocky. You're just like, Oh, watch yeah. here. It is. Well, why is that not in him? It's right there. It's over his back. How did that happen? Yep. hundred percent. I I told Dan, it's probably, I think I said 10 times harder. He's like, Oh, it ain't that much harder. (laughs) I think, I think it is. It's, it's, uh, it's, um, and you would know because you're using both the, uh, the amount of, uh, well, you got to factor in like the amount of time you got to invest into a traditional bow too is greatly increased. Um, so that's, that's harder to do, you know? Um, all right, let's see here. Other a couple people are asking, is there anything you didn't cover like uh, on your everyday carry? Uh, everyday carry for me is going to be a knife. It's always, you know, I, I love, like I said, I love his knives. So uh, I use those, uh, Travis style broken compass knives, uh, Azula's, but this same thing I was showing you earlier, this size knife in a fixed blade is always with me. I don't trust folders. I don't like them. I prefer a fixed blade. Um, and the way I carry them on a dangler like this, this goes around my belt and then this hangs in my front pocket, but there's no weight in my pocket whatsoever. All the weight is on my belt yet to get it out. All I do is just hook this on the side where it's just dangling into my pocket, catch it with my thumb and pull and the knife is out all in one quick swoop. So it's real quick to be able to get it. Even to put it back in, I just find this on my leg, stick it in and it's right back in. So Mm -hmm. I use that kind of a knife all the time. I always have on me a, uh, um, a flashlight constantly, uh, doesn't matter which one, but it's a little Eagle tack, but I always have a flashlight on in my pocket all the time. Uh, I prefer the ones that have the tactical power too on them too, where I can turn it on a bright flashlight, but I can also, if I hit it on bright and I tap the back, I get that, that strobe factor. Mm-hmm. I want that because I do leave it on that mode all the time, uh, just as a security factor. If somebody bothers me or something like that, you at night you can shut them down quick enough to disorient them so that you can either get away or figure out what you want to do. You know, now, so now you now you screwed up your eyes. So, oh, there, <laughs> yeah, there you go. There <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so that and then uh, um, always carry a lighter. You always have that with you because you know mm-hmm. fire is pretty hard to make if you don't have it. 
Rubber band on there keeps it from falling out of your pocket. And I told you, showed you that little multi-tool, which yep. is with me all the time. And then on your wallet, same thing. Always have three rubber bands on your wallet um, or one or two. But not not only do they come in handy, you know, for anything you need a rubber band for, but they create friction on your pants and you don't lose them. This is going to keep them, keep your wallet. It's a trick I learned uh, when I got my cycle license when I was 18 years old. The instructor told me that. He said, you'll never lose a, a wallet out of your pocket while you're riding a motorcycle if you put a rubber band around it. So I've always done that, too. Yeah. So that's basically that's my EDC carry stuff. I don't carry a, a firearm too much anymore unless I'm going somewhere. Uh, if I'm out with Tina or with Bella, I will grab one, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's a 380 in a pocket or a Glock 26, you know, inside the waistband. But if I'm out doing my own thing, I, I don't carry a, a gun too much anymore. Yeah. You also walked around. You're a professional photographer, so you were walking around big cities and stuff a lot, weren't you, whenever you were yeah. doing that hardcore yeah, we were um, just shot a wedding last weekend in Atlanta. Me and Tina were there. Same thing. You park in a parking structure, walk four blocks away. Not only was I carrying, she was carrying. You know, so yes, yeah, yeah. so like I said, certain instances, yes. But as far as every day making a habit, I don't. It's it's special instances usually now. And never when I'm hunting. I barely ever do. It's too hot, sweaty down here, and I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. Um, this is a good question. I, I thought about asking you is do you worry about the color light of your headlamp? As far as a red, green, or a white yeah. light, yeah, no, not even a little bit. And I've walked up on so many deer with white light that I, I don't think it matters. Um, uh, I don't, I don't think it matters at all to the point where. And if you look at these, like this one here has a green and a red on this one, or is it this one? One of these is uh, can't remember which one, but one of them is green and a red on there. Okay, they actually have the lights on there. If you look at the specs on them, the green light will drain the power quicker than a white light will. That, that takes a lot to get um, because they're 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 tinted. So it requires actually a lot of light to get a little light out of them. Um, so I'm not a fan of those personally. I'd much rather just run white light. I run the lowest mode I can get away with for whatever my task is uh, because I don't want I want the battery life. So if I can walk in, if it's a bright moonlit night and I can see real good, I'll run it on a low, super low mode just so that I'm safe from other hunters and I can see a little bit what I'm doing. Um, but you know, if it's real foggy out, uh, I'll take that headlamp and I'll hold it down. I'll take it off my head and I'll hold it down by my waist because that fog will clog your beam and you can't see. So by taking it off and holding it down lower, you can see much better. Uh, I like warm light better than cool, bright white light. Yeah. Um, you know, like on a Kelvin scale, as you know, I'd much rather have a 5,000 or 55K uh, warm light than a 6,500 uh, Kelvin blue light, you know, bright mm-hmm. white Mm-hmm. Um, Dustin asked, "How heavy is the your pack when you're deer hunting?" There, uh, the whole thing set up, not counting my sticks in my stands. I think is because uh, I do leave my harness, my lineman belt, my binoculars. Everything stays in there, and I want to say it's 14 pounds total, and that includes a water bottle. So it's really not too super heavy. No, and we didn't. I mean, if you guys really think about what we went through, it's not that much stuff, really. Right. Um, yeah, I don't get too carried away and carry a lot of extras. Um, I have friends like that to do. I mean, they got stuff. They got like cocoa packets and coffee and sandwiches in there from like six years earlier. Four <laughs> different deer calls. Right. Yeah. They yeah. don't even know what's in it. Uh, but yeah. I'm pretty particular. And like I said, the key thing is to make sure 
everything is in, in its exact pocket, especially if you hunt a lot of mornings. Going in there in the dark and pulling this stuff out, you need to know exactly where your haul line is. You need to know exactly where your saw is. Make sure that you can get to this stuff without having to remove other things to do it. You know, don't yep. put your tree stand har- or your harness and your lineman belt down below your hat and your vest and your binoculars where you got to fight to get all that out. Yep. Yep. For sure. I was going to ask you before we get off here, because we've been on here for about an hour and 13 minutes now. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously you're a, you're professionally a photographer. You started filming your own deer hunts too. And we get asked a lot about like camera gear and stuff. You have, you know, you have a, an expert knowledge on cameras, right? What would you say to a guy that's getting ready to get into what's getting into filming this year? Like what, what would you recommend people picking up or doing? For the simplicity factor of it, for your first time trying it, you're going to be hard pressed to beat your cell phone. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, for the first, you know, to, to give it a shot because it's always there. It's always easy to activate. You can put it on an ultralight camera arm if you want to with a simple mount, like I was showing you, like one of these little phone clamp squeezer mounts, but you can have this on a small, small arm set up like that. It sits there. And when a deer comes in, you just touch the button. You can zoom real fat, but you know, you have that total easy flexibility. So a cell phone does work fantastic. I'll let you guys in on a little secret. Um, especially if you're like in my Patreon channel or you watched my hunting videos, my actual hunting videos, every one of them is filmed on one of two cameras. Okay. Every in my, every in the field video is filmed on my GoPro 11 or it is filmed on my cell phone. That's it. Now I have thousands and thousands of dollars of Canon R5s and R6s, Sony ZV, right. You know, I mean, I have these now, those are what I use when I'm making videos here or for controlled environments. But when I am in the woods, um, this one here is my, basically my shot, my stock, my everything. I put it over on this side. So it's off this eye because I am left-handed. So when I take my bow and I come in to shoot, you can see how that's going to line that right up down the thing. So I set it up that way. Um, so that's what this one's getting. Anything I'm doing there, that's for its whole purpose. The rest of it, honestly, is knowing how to set my camera up. So I have this set up to run at, um, I'm running 1080p on this. I'm running it at 30 frames per second. Uh, I have everything set up so it matches that. And I can, but I mean, it's just the image stabilization, image stabilization in these phones uh, is so good. The lens quality is so good. So for all my in the wood stuff, I do that. If you want to take it to another level, I know you use a ZV-1 too. The ZV-1 is not bad for the money, but the battery life sucks on it. And yeah. the uh, um, uh, you don't get quite the zoom that a lot of people want. But uh, as far as like inside bow hunting distances, that ZV... <laughs> oh, sorry, Riley. <laughs> She's hiding behind the chair. Uh, but the uh, ZV-1, are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but a Sony ZV-1 like this They work good because they're nice and compact You can put an external mic on it It's got really good uh, um, ISO settings, it's got really good sensor in it It's a one inch sensor yep. uh, You know, or you know, full size it's, it's got everything you're looking for in there And it's a good camera for like, what are they? I think they're like 600 bucks Yeah, they're not even that anymore You can pick them up used now for like 450 yeah, and you, um, you know, you got good screen, can flip things around real well on them, and re- you know, I mean, like you said, it's uh, it's got great low light performance for what it is. It's like you said, it's uh, I, I can't yep. say anything bad about them. I really like that Sony that ZV one. Yep, that's a good camera. Yeah, um, they do have an F model now. I don't know if you saw that, but that one I would not buy. 
it's uh yeah it's a little cheaper yeah and it, but it, it limits a lot so i don't think i'd go with that you're gonna yep. get a you're you had a much slower lens uh you don't get quite the quite the iso expansion i i didn't never played with it but i read a little bit about it and i think yep. you're better off going straight for the vv1 yeah not the f model nope no i uh I'm venturing into the world. I got the, I got a Sony a seven C this year and I'm kind of toying around the idea of filming with that this year, but we'll see. I will it's say a- that Sony, when it comes to video cameras, as somebody who shoots video and shoots, uh, makes a living in photography, I think Sony is the way to go for any video, plain and simple. Yeah. I mean, I have Canon stuff, like I said, it does great, and they got a lot of great things out there, but um, when it comes to really getting into it and knowing how to change settings and do stuff, Sony makes everything so much easier. You can change settings on the fly with Sony, where Canon, you have to actually turn the camera off, stop record, you know, stop recording to change them. Uh, so for video purposes, um, I shoot with both. Uh, but I, I, for video, I prefer Sony for photography. I prefer Canon. Yeah. Yep. Um, we, this topic got brought up last week a little bit, but like, um, whenever you're looking at cameras, you know, once you start spending over that, that amount of money, like for that ZV one, you know, that $500 mark, your, your money for the quality you're getting starts to get pretty small. Like, yeah, there's, there's not a whole lot of difference. And, and someone like, a deer hunter going out to the woods on spending on like a $500 camera versus a $2,000 camera. It's like for spending that extra $1,500, you're getting this much more quality. Um, so think Plus about you're that. Drop it. You know, you're going to yeah. drop it on the trees. It's going to be yeah. used in the rain. Your hands are going to be covered in tree sap and mud when you're putting it away. And you're doing, I mean, like I said, the woods is not the place for uh, an incredible camera until you d- don't upgrade until you need a reason to upgrade. Tell the kid, yeah. tell you going, I wish it would do this, but it can't. Then it's time to do something else. But till that point, you know, stay, start, start simple. Go up like it. So I said this right here, because most people, as you know, that start videotaping their hunts, they give up on it. You know, yep. when they start jumping in big, they come in big, they run the bigger cameras, they're running the camera arms, they're running the full setup. Next thing you know, their pack is 30 extra pounds of gear. They got lav mics, they're running very yeah. zooms. You know, they try doing all this stuff and they hate it. And then they're done and they move out. If they would just start with this and then upgrade as they needed, I think yeah. they'd be a lot happier. And they probably stick with it like you were. Yeah, right. In a lightweight little simple camera arm, you know, a cheap camera arm and a cell phone is is a gold mine way to start. What bowl holder do you use, if any? I use the simple screwing ones. Huge fan of them. Um, the uh, these ones right here that you buy in a ten pack. Literally, you get you know you get them in a ten pack for uh, uh, for like seven dollars. I use, this is a uh, electrical wire nut. I put that on there because I do carry them in my pack. This is nasty and it not only pokes through your pack, it pokes through everything you got. So by putting that wire nut on there, now it's not poking in my pack anymore. So that's yeah. why I do it that. But they're just a simple screw in, give it a couple of cranks, hang my bow on it. Uh, and I hang mine on my camera arm. Dan's camera yeah. arm he makes has a bow holder on it, which is pretty nice. There, we're having a, uh, looks like we're having a, uh, discussion in the comments about what's the best carry gun. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, there's so many new ones out here too, like the Hellcats, uh, uh, that Springfield arms, uh, uh, what's the one at uh six or 365. you know, there's so many good ones. Glocks 26 is, you know, I mean, there's, like I said, there's a lot of good ones. Uh, one of my favorites is a, they don't make it anymore, but it is a, uh, a Ruger LCP custom. Yeah. And it's a 380 
it's a custom one, but it's got, it actually has really big, high full size sights on it. I love it. It's, uh, you know, cause I can fit it in my front pocket. Um, it is only 380, but it weighs next to nothing. And I have that full, good, real sight picture on it. I'm, I really like that one. Yep. I think we got to everything, uh, question wise on here. Do you have anything else, Jason? We, we didn't cover as far as gear we're taking into the, I thought about getting into like, uh, going on out of state hunts, but we don't have enough time for all that. Maybe right. we'll have you on again for, uh, yeah. before, before deer season or something to talk about out of state hunting. Yeah. Um, nope. I think we covered, uh, the pack wise, I got a mess laying all around me of everything. So I think we pretty much got <laughs> it all there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Zeke outdoors yep. says any gun that fits your hand is one you should carry. Yep. Yeah. Yep. If you don't, and I'm uh, the same way. I like, I like this. I, I like, and I also prefer other than that one Ruger, I really prefer to stick with one platform. So all my blocks point the same exact way. Uh, mm-hmm. When I had the M and P's and stuff like that, they hold different than what the Glock would. So you get that different angle on your hand. And when you would try to shoot quick and defensive, I would always end up, you know, you'd shoot down with one and up with the other because their, their grip angle is different. So I prefer to stick with one platform across my home guns, my carry guns, everything, if I can, so that I get that same angle all the time. Yep. Another question came in. Elizabeth asked, what bow do you carry? Uh, Northern Mist Classic. This is an ASL style longbow. So it's kind of a hill style uh, longbow on there with a straight grip. Yeah, so and I can straight get you. Line. There you go. Yep. But it's, uh, this is made by, uh, Northern Mist Longbows. He builds them and I, I've been shooting them for a long time. I love them, but it's your classic hill style longbows. Yep. Um, what, what poundage do you shoot, Jason? I shoot 57 at my 26 inch draw. There you go. Yep. There's a lot of good bows out there anymore. Holy cow. There is. You, you can't, it's, it's almost, too hard it's hard to find a bad one now if you go yeah. back 30 years ago that wasn't the case the yeah. glue technology the materials weren't there and you'd you'd have bows popping like crazy a lot if, unless they knew what they were doing now it's it's hard to find a bad bow yep you messed around with any of the 360 cameras yet i have not um you know again i think for people that want that extra you know that overhead tree stand view um, yeah. which, you know, can be pretty cool. Uh, but I have not yet. I do carry, uh, I got another GoPro that I'll carry and I will put, uh, this clamp on, I'll put a rope on the tree and I'll grab this clamp and I clamp it right on there. And I put the GoPro for that straight down view if I want yeah. it. Um, uh, but this is just nice and easy cause you can adjust that angle with it if I don't have it right. Yeah. So, you know, just a cheap little, you know, and it mounts on there and points down at me for any of that stuff. But uh, I, I would think if I was going to do a 360 camera, that's where I'd want to probably do it is above you in the tree like that. Yeah. You know, for that kind of angle. Um, but never mess with it. Go, go. Like if a guy would want to get a good setup, a cell phone and a GoPro would be a great cameras to start with. Yep. Both of them are super simple. I mean, GoPro is about as simple as you can get for a camera. Um, and they have awesome image stabilizing. They have all the stuff. You don't have to be an edit expert when you're using them. No, no, you don't have to be an expert in anything. I mean, it's literally you, you, you hit the record button and it starts recording, you know, yeah. um, once you get them all set up, um, don't get caught up in like the 4k and the, all that crap. Don't, don't worry about all that when you're trying to pick out a camera, especially, um, you know, most, most, I think most computers still don't have 4k screens, so you can even watch it in 4k anyway, you know? 
or even uh, the power to be able to process it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you know as well yeah. as me, we're on the same boat. I mean, you start it, it just when you start editing 4K, you're you're automatically jumping in the neighborhood of five and six thousand uh, dollar computers just to be able to to handle that kind of stuff without crashing. So yep, hundred percent. I mean, yeah, this computer I'm looking at right now is five thousand dollars, and it's just so I can edit 4K stuff if I need to. Um, most people don't have that expensive of a computer, you know, I mean, a 4k will close your computer down. I mean, it'll make it useless. Um, and the software to be able to do it and yeah. that kind of stuff and the, the subscriptions for that. I mean, yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. You cross from what from you, when you go from 1080 to 4k, everything gets ugly. The yeah. towers of hard drives. It's, it's yeah. not worth it. That's no. why I said I shoot 1080 for 99% of it. Me too. Now I will say, if you can, as a tip on my mm -hmm. GoPro, I actually do shoot this because it's on my head like this. I actually do record this in 4K 7.8. So it's that square. Yeah. Uh, what's nice is I can use any part of that in a 1080 format and it's four times zoomed in. So yep. I actually will shoot with that. But I, I have, I also, I do have the computers capable of, of letting me edit that and correct it. But um, by doing so, I get this really big safe zone of zoom ability and everything in that GoPro. Yep. Yeah. Slugworth, thanks for the uh, donation. Can I make you a recurve? You're going to have to donate more than $9 for me to make you a recurve, man. Sorry. <laughs> I think he's asking, can he make you one? Oh, Josh, can you make me a recurve? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that might be different. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Bob, Bob, uh, Photo Bob. I'm guessing Photo Bob knows a little bit about uh, cameras, but he says 4K allows you to crop in, though. Yeah. For sure. I run, I run, yeah. I run my, uh, I have a camera on my bow and I run it in 4k just for that reason. So, cause that, that GoPro does have a wide angle lens. It, it, I don't know what it actually goes down to, but it's still, even on their, on its lowest setting, it's still not very, uh, it's, it's still pretty wide angled. So if yeah, you, I'm right, linear right, mode. Yep. yeah, linear mode, I think it's what's called. And then they, it's, it's a little bit better. Um, you can, or you can crop that in in 4k, um, does the head mount get in the way of a bowstring? Nope. I've never had a problem with it. And like I said, when I wear it, um, and it's on my head all the time, especially because I'm hog hunting. So, I mean, I'm walking through palms. I could jump a pig or see pigs at any time. So mine literally lives right here the whole entire time I'm out there hunting. Um, it's right on here like that. I know it looks funny offset, but again, when I come in to shoot, it's lines right up on there for me, but that's how it looks. And even if I turn it on and I'm, I'm, I'm following hogs, I got to kind of walk with my head sideways because you got to yeah. know where to bring it, you right. know, but, uh, but it does not interfere with my string at all. As I come in and I'm a left-handed shooter and it rides, you know, right by there, the way I shoot. So I, I've never had it hook or hang up on there at all. Yep. Thanks for the donation, Elizabeth. You're getting a lot closer <laughs> to, the, to the price of a recurve. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's get off here, Jason. Thanks, everybody, for uh, tuning in tonight. We'll, we'll talk to everybody later. I appreciate you guys. Thanks. Yeah. See ya. Mm -hmm.